United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. We got a big time show for you today. J.N. Gown, who is the chair of the United Soccer Coaches Scholarship Foundation Committee, announcing that tomorrow the scholarship applications will open up for the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. You need to check that out. And J.N. Gown, former president, honor award winner, kicks things off from his beautiful home in Colorado. Speaking of Colorado, Marcelo Balboa, one of the great Colorado Rapids, a three-time member of a USA World Cup team. He's in the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame, does an amazing job with Univision calling the USA-Mexico Gold Cup game. He'll talk about that in the future of the U.S. men's team. And then we'll end with Aubrey Bledsoe, star goalkeeper for the Washington Spirit. That's our show, and it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I'm Dean Linky. excited to tell you that the United Soccer Coaches Foundation will open up scholarship applications tomorrow. That's right, tomorrow, high noon, and we are going to spend several interviews with the scholarship committee, including the scholarship committee chair who will kick it off. That is former president and honor award winner with United Soccer Coaches out in Colorado, a state that I love, Jay Engown, who is the Scholarship Foundation Committee Chair. And Jay, welcome to the show. Great to have you on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Oh, thanks, Dean. Great to be here. Well, tomorrow's a big day. High noon, you start opening up scholarship applications. And, you know, probably not enough people know what United Soccer Coaches Foundation does with these scholarships. So why don't you set the table first about sort of the premise of the United Soccer Coaches Foundation, why it was created, and some of the great things you're doing, and then some of the great things you look to be doing with the opening of these scholarship applications. Well, why don't we start with uh, why we have the foundation? The focus is to serve underserved communities. They could be geographical, they could be socioeconomic, also coaches that have need. And we look at three different areas of scholarship to try to support our member coaches, as well as clubs, not just throughout the country, because we've had international scholarships and grants as well. It's three areas that we look at. First, we have educational scholarships, where coaches can attend one of our diploma courses, or now it looks like we're going to be having our hybrid courses, which will include online enrollment in a course. The second area is convention scholarships. Convention scholarships include convention registration, select meal functions attendance. They'll have a stipend to help with travel, and some of their meal costs are covered. And then the third area is grants, and these will go to clubs, primarily in underserved populations, both geographical and socioeconomic. 
And this is where we will bring one of our coaches in to a community to do a academy diploma course for the coaches in that general area. As an example, with one of those grants up here with High Country Soccer, it's a very unique group because it's both geographically isolated here in Silverthorne, but also has a very diverse population of coaches because of the industries here around restaurants, recreation, hotel. There's a lot of migrant workers that are here, a lot of Hispanic, a lot of Somali immigrants, and we're able to serve those populations as well. So it's really a very three-pronged approach to try to support our coaches as well as clubs throughout the country and now throughout the world. I remember when United Soccer Coaches decided to create this foundation, I feel like Al Albert was a major player in it. And I remember initially perhaps some modest aspirations. And now it seems like you guys have really upped the game and really upped the commitment to helping coaches. Can you talk a little bit about that growth? Well, yeah, maybe we'll go back to the very beginning. Actually, our very first outreach was before the foundation was formed. It's back in 1989, Bill Holloman actually proposed the idea of a foundation at the convention in 1989. But prior to that, we had a request from the Taos Pueblo in New Mexico. And our first outreach was actually supported by our board, where we did a course or a number of courses for the eight Pueblos located north of Santa Fe and Horst Richardson, myself, a visiting coach from Denmark, Jan Rusk, and a former player at Colorado College, Alec Rico, we did those clinics down in Taos, New Mexico. Following that, foundation was first proposed by Bill. That was formed in 1991, and they looked at really the mechanics of a foundation, mission statement, operations manual, those kinds of things. But then not much happened for a number of years. In fact, the foundation was somewhat, somewhat stagnant for uh, oh, about three or four years. And then in 2003, the foundation committee was reactivated. That is where the growth really started with, first of all, what we called our cornerstone campaign with a modest goal of $100,000. We started giving grants and then each year the number of grants slowly started to increase. And then around uh, 2006, we had our first grants and scholarship, and we had started giving those out. We had five grants at that time, and that continued on. And then we started doing the named funds, and that's where a lot of growth came about. We now have 28 named funds, which allows us to give 38 scholarships a year in those three categories. Those named funds, some of them have more than one grant because they reached a threshold of $50,000, so they could give two awards. And then we also, depending on how our investments do, we have some at-large grants and scholarships as well. So last time we actually gave awards, we had 38 grants and scholarships that were given. Last year, because of COVID, we did not have scholarships or grants, Instead, we supported membership for our coaches in need and had over a thousand memberships supported through the foundation. So that kind of gives a little bit of history. Our endowment is doing incredibly well under Al's and now Jeff's leadership. 
it's over one and a half million dollars. So we're re really able to have a significant outreach. So pleased to be joined by Jay Engown, the Scholarship Foundation Committee Chair for United Soccer Coaches. As I mentioned earlier, former president and an honor award winner, which is indeed an esteemed award. Got to remind everybody, Jay, that tomorrow the scholarship applications open up. What can you tell us about that process? What kind of people should be signing up? How do they sign up? Do you know all the the inner workings of that. I know Sarah Kluba has played a big role as well with the association out in Kansas City, but what can you tell us for everybody that's listening, who should apply and how they can apply? Well, any of our member coaches can apply as well as any club or organization that is interested. The information will be on the website. It'll go active tomorrow at 12 noon and it will remain open until September 24th. So there's more than a month for people to apply. The applications are online. You can choose which category you're interested in and then just follow the prompts that are on the United Soccer Coaches website. Jay, as a longtime broadcaster, sometimes I have the flair for the dramatic and I want to embellish, but I've actually heard people that have got scholarships, grants, and they have changed their life. It's opening a door for them that they wouldn't have otherwise, and then they've been able to get jobs out of it and start a family and everything else. I mean, these can be life-changing scholarships for some of these young people. You know, it's amazing the when you read through the applications, the very genuine need that is there people that are passionate about soccer as well as about many other things but they're passionate about soccer but it's they can't really afford to do a course they're not get, getting paid very much as a as a coach or maybe they're just a volunteer coach or they have you know, assistant coaches in college or high school and they want to advance their career and this gives them an opportunity to do so and quite honestly, they keep coming back wanting to reapply and that's okay. People can reapply for scholarships or grants. And, you know, as we go through these applications, we try to sort out those with the greatest need, as well as those that have a real passion for the game and for what they're doing. We're here with Jay Engown, the Scholarship Foundation Committee Chair for the United Soccer Coaches Foundation, which opens up their scholarship applications tomorrow. Jay, just two more questions with you. You're living out there in God's country, albeit I know they're having some issues with mudslides, but I mean, you live in Colorado State that is near and dear to me. You don't need to be doing this. Why is United Soccer Coaches so important to you? I mean, you stay invested, you commit your time, you commit your, your resources. I know your wife is all in as well. Why is that, Jay? You know, soccer provided opportunities for me, including going to college at Colorado College. And uh, I got hooked on soccer uh, earlier in high school. Uh, loved playing with uh, under Horst Richardson's guidance at Colorado College. And when I graduated from Colorado College, there were actually no high school soccer teams in all of Southern or Western or really Northern Colorado. The only teams were in the Denver metro area. So I actually started the first high school soccer team. We played in a men's league. As a high school team, we practiced every day. We ran circles around the men. They weren't real happy with that. And we got a lot of people on board to start a high school club league. And then four years later, we had varsity soccer outside of the Denver metro area. Did a similar thing with the women. This is back in 1975. Uh, there were no girls high school teams in the entire state. And I started the first women's soccer team for high school girls. And we played in the women's league, a similar scenario. 
we practiced every day. Those uh, talented and physically fit women ran circles around the older members in the uh, women's league. We started a club league and three years later, it was actually sanctioned as a varsity sport in Colorado. So I guess that's where my passion started is seeing it truly grow from a, a definitely grassroots level to being, you know, soccer in Colorado is, is thriving and doing really well. And I'm really proud to see what our community has done around this sport. You know, a little background, I'm the only one with the foundation that's been there since the very beginning. I was the, the board liaison when they first started this standing committee. The standing committee went for about, I'd say about four years or so, but then it was kind of stagnant. We never really got it going. And then I took over as the chair of the foundation right after I finished as past president and then was chair until Al Albert came on around 2012, give or take a year. I don't remember exactly, 2013, somewhere in there. And now Jeff Finnell. So we've, we've only had three chairs of this committee and many of the members have been there all the way, you know, going back to 2003 with kind of this initial group which really got the Cornerstone campaign kicked off. And that included, I mean, Ray Sieplick, Bill Holloman, myself, Hank Steinbrecher, and I think Warren Mercero was part of it back then. So, I mean, it was, it was a very small group, but again, you can see the passion involved with those people that were so committed to getting this uh, off and rolling to where it is now. And, and Jeff has taken the reins and doing a great job. I know you're also proud of the bond and you and I have talked about this before on a previous podcast, I believe, but I just saw your wife actually in the background and oh, okay. knowing that, yeah, all the red aprons and their wives and everybody get together, even during the digital convention, every night, just about you guys were together. I mean, it's a close knit group now, right, Jay? It is. And I'm very honored to be a part of that. It is a close-knit group. It's exciting to see the legacy and the passion of the United Soccer Coaches really embodied within that group of Red Aprons. And it uh, truly is the heart and soul of the United Soccer Coaches. And I hope that passion continues to brush off on new members and current members. Well, let's end with that because, you know, you're talking about new members and then also when you think about getting new members, you've got to have a great front office and what they're doing in Kansas City. You know, we're going to start to look for a new CEO, but, you know, you think about Sarah and her work now, it's really important that you have that connectivity, right, with the headquarter office out in Kansas City, right, Jay? Oh, that is that has been, I think, a key element for the the growth we've had over the last 10 years. When we first started this foundation, we did not really have, well, we did not have a, well, we had a liaison. We did not have a director of the foundation in the office. So we first had a volunteer, uh, Doug Orr. Then we had Jared, who was part-time. And then Amanda was our first full-time person. And now Sarah, who is interim, who is doing a fantastic job. But that link and connection to the the main office is instrumental in being successful with communication, coordination, and helping us build this foundation to where it is today. 
the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. They open up their scholarship applications tomorrow as Jay Engown, the Scholarship Foundation Committee Chair for United Soccer Coaches said that'll be open between now and September 24th. He told you what to do, how to do, so go do it. Jay Engown, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast and congratulations on opening up the scholarship applications tomorrow. Dean, thanks. And uh, next time you're in Colorado, give me a call. Speaking of Colorado, he still lives there. He was on the original team for the Colorado Rapids. He was on the team in 1997 that went to the MLS Cup. He's an outstanding broadcaster, a soccer icon, a U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer. Marcelo Balboa will talk USA Mexico and the U.S. men's national team at a time when we thought we'd be talking about the women. They will be playing in the bronze medal game earlier today, but it's the U.S. men who have beaten Mexico twice in a row, and they've won two titles, including this most recent Gold Cup championship game in Las Vegas. Marcelo Balboa was there, and he will break it down when we return. Hello, college coaches. This is Dean Linky with a special reminder. Registration is now open for the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program. Registered programs have access to a variety of benefits, including eligibility for awards and rankings, individual membership discounts, a dedicated liaison working on your behalf with organizations like the NCAA, NAIA, NJCAA, and so much more. United Soccer Coaches helps you develop your entire coaching game the way you help your student athletes grow as people. For more information or to register, please visit unitedsoccercoaches.org college. Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Jay Engown, who's the chair of the United Soccer Coaches Foundation, for kicking things off. As he mentioned, he lives in Colorado, and I promise the man of Colorado. He is a three-time World Cupper. He's a U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, and he's one of my all-time favorite people, Marcelo Balboa, the great number 17. Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, Marcelo. Thanks, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, funny, normally this time we'd be talking about the U.S. women, but the U.S. men have beaten Mexico twice. You were right there with Univision, also called yeah. CBN. I mean, you had yeah. a front row seat, Marcelo, and I love actually seeing the camera angle. You kind of got to be a fan, too, which is awesome. I love that about you because at the end of the day, you are USA, right? And it's always big when you beat Mexico. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how in 39 days the U.S. was able to beat Mexico twice in a final, uh, something we haven't done in a long time. We've struggled a little bit over the last few years. But, uh, you know, when, when you work there, you've got to enjoy yourself. I played for the U.S., so when we win, I rub it in a little bit. I wear my American flag on the set and the postgame show. And uh, But it's a good sign. You know, we, we talked to Greg many moons ago when he took the job over, and he started telling us how his game model was going to be and we haven't seen it for a while, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I think this is the first time, especially in Nations League, where we finally saw it, not an individual team, but that individualism come together as a group 
and it was nice to see it finally, even with the, the guys that played at the gold cup, it wasn't, it wasn't the same team, but the same principles, the same kind of uh, attitude mentality of how they want to play. And uh, when you're able to get a, a huge result, because let's be honest, the, the result against Mexico and Las Vegas was a huge result for us soccer and Greg Berthalter. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, I want to get back to that, but first I do want to sort of, toot the horn of what you're doing with Univision and TUDN because I got to tell you the last couple championships my whole family even my mom and dad have watched it and we you know my Leah does speak Spanish but the rest of us don't but and we love how they'll say Marcelo and they'll, they'll specifically <laughs> ask you about the U.S. team like it's a lot of fun isn't it working those games uh you know what it's a, it's it's always easy to do a neutral broadcast and when you're you're there to give the good and the bad side of the U.S it makes it a little bit uh, easier. Plus, when you know, especially this Las Vegas game, when the ratings came out, we had 5.7 million people watching do uh, the NA and Univision. Uh, you've got to be very careful with your word. <laughs> I get a lot of I get a lot of hate uh, tweets at the end of the U.S. Mexico game when we win. Well, especially if you mix in a little Spanglish in there as well, right? Like you got to be on point the whole time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I love it. I mean, we really do. I mean, the way they call goals and get into the game, it's, you know, it's fantastic. But I mean, think about the fact, you know, you're in three World Cups. I was there with you for the first couple of them, Marcelo. And now, I mean, to, to see that Coach Berhalter has 50, 60, maybe 70 players. I mean, the player pool is bigger than I've ever seen at Marcelo. And I know we didn't make the last World Cup, but man, it looks like things are headed the right way. Listen, I think we, we've got to be realistic when we're, everybody keeps talking about, oh, we've, we've debuted 40-something-odd guys and 30 here. Um, I, I still think when you look at this group of players, and you can look at a group of, say, 40 players, 50 players, it's easy, easier playing in a Gold Cup and playing in these beautiful fields with, I would say, 99% home fans until you play Mexico. Then that game is all uh, for Mexico. But... It, you got to pick the guys that uh, that you feel can get the job done in El Salvador, not in in Las Vegas. You know what I mean? Because Salvador's a World Cup qualifier. We didn't qualify for the last World Cup, so I think we we compare apples and oranges sometimes. It's it's the, some of the guys in the in the Gold Cup showed really well, and I think Matt Turner proved that he could be a second or third goalkeeper for the U.S. I think you look at a guy like Shaq Moore, who played really well. Sardis played really well, even though he didn't get a lot of opportunities going forward. But the work he did, the sacrifice he made defensively was completely what that team needed. So you look around and you say there's always two or three guys that you'll look from Gold Cup into maybe World Cup qualifying. Are there a couple guys from this last Gold Cup? Maybe I'm thinking of Eric Williamson specifically, but are there a couple guys that may have made that 23-man roster if, in fact, we do qualify for the next World Cup? Um, I don't know. You know, I, I, here's the deal. There's a long time between now and, and the next World Cup. Injuries happen. You never know. A lot of weird things can happen. So did he make probably the 30-man roster to go into camp in Nashville before they go play El Salvador? I would think he's done enough. I think he's done enough to be able to do that. I think Shaq Moore has. Turner has. So I think, uh, you know, a few other guys are, are hoppy, did a nice job. So I think there's a, quite a few of these guys you'll see in that 30, probably 28, 30-man roster that's going to go to Nashville. We're here with three-time World Cup 
and U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer and also the voice yes. of the Colorado Rapids. He coaches with the Rapids, but you saw him on Univision and just doing a, a great job covering the U.S. team. And you still get to cover the Colorado Rapids too, Marcelo, where you love Colorado. It's home now, right? You love being a part of the, the organization, don't you? That's listen. This is where I'm at right now. Look at this baby. That's where I'm at right now. So, um, yeah, you know, I, when I chose where I was going to play, it was going to pick one place and I was going to make it home. I was going to raise a family here and this is where I was going to stay. So I played here for the Foxes. So it was an easy decision when Phil Anschutz talked to me in Mexico where I wanted to play. And this is home, man. I, uh, I've got the mountain beard going, which will be gone probably in a week because I made a bet if the U.S. won the uh, Gold Cup, I would shave it. So <laughs> that's coming off soon. But uh, I love my mountains. I, I got a, a 18-month-old dog who we hang out and do 14ers together. So, yeah, this is, this is a great place. And uh, I've been blessed to have been able to stay with the organization and, and still call this home. Well, and you also get to coach with them. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Uh, tell us what role you have as, as part of the coaching staff there with the Rapids. I, uh, I've been coaching the, the U14 Academy boys for the last, I believe this has gone on my sixth, seventh year. So I've taken them. Uh, I'm the assistant to the 19s. Now it's the uh, under 23s. So it's different. But uh, you know, uh, I've enjoyed it. It's a good level for me. Do I look to move up? Who knows? You know, if other doors up uh, to move up, an age group is there. I would consider it. But uh, at 14, you've got to lay that foundation of, of how we're going to play the methodology that we have. And also the important part for me is to give them the experience of what it's like to be on the field. Yeah, Cause I have to learn that as you know, if you want something, you got to work hard for it. If you want something, you've got to earn it. No one's going to give you anything. So laying those principles down are, are important at 14. I know that's not like you to remind them who you are. I wish I was there to just be there and I would do this big introduction, Marcelo Balboa. <laughs> I do feel like part of my role, Marcelo, as I continue to broadcast games is to remind people who really laid the groundwork. And there are people like you and Tony Miola and Tab Ramos and John Hartz and Eric Walnalda. I mean, you guys did a lot of the, the heavy lifting, Marcelo. Now you see where both the league is and the national team is in U.S. soccer. You don't mind reminding people that you did some of that lifting, do you? I don't tell anybody. I don't tell my kids who I am. I, I've always been taught that when you go to a new place, you, you do your research and you find out who your coach is, who your teammates are. So I don't give them the lecture of who I was and where I played. Uh, I, don't, I don't think at this age they have their phones and it's attached to their hands right after practice. If they want to know, they know, they know how to figure that out. But there's no need for me to remind them of who I am or what I've done. My job is to help them live a dream. My job is to help them and, and help and help push them to the level they want to be at and, and to be honest with them as a coach. All right. Well, my job is to remind them who you are because <laughs> you're one of the all-time great U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer. And with that, I'm going to make you go back in history. We know about the World Cups, but a lot of people don't realize how bad we were in 96 with the Colorado Rapids and then how good we were in 1997. I mean, Marcelo, it truly is one of the all-time great turnarounds. When you think about, I mean, we were the worst of the worst in that opening year. I mean, we were, let's admit it, we were terrible, right? And then, you know, you go to the middle and Tritt and Vermes go to the back and Chris Henderson yeah. and Paul Bravo and Marcus Hahnemann and David Patino and Adrian Paz. I mean, yeah. how did we turn that thing around? And then Mooch, I mean, Mooch had to play a key role too, right? Uh, listen, I don't think we had a bad team in 96. I, I think that we were, we were a team that 
were given a tactic of how we wanted to play that didn't suit the players we had because we had some pretty decent players on that team. Not great. We weren't, no, you know what I mean? We didn't have wonderful 10 or, you know what I mean? But we had good players. But when Mooch came in, Mooch decided to change a few things. He was going to let us play out of the back. We weren't going to play long ball. Mooch gave us the confidence to, to be able to, to, well, he instilled in us that we had to work harder. I think that was the biggest thing. We were going to defend first, then attack second. And as we grew into that, with a little bit of luck, let's, let's just be straight up and honest. I believe that year we were the eighth seed and no one really took us serious. I remember uh, Precky uh, and those guys seeing something out of the Kansas City, uh, I think it was the, the Wizards at the time, were the favorites to win the cup. So they didn't take us serious. We came and we smacked them a little, uh, a little uh, reality dose. Dallas was a rival with David Durr, who also coached for the Colorado Foxes. So he knew a lot of us. And again, listen, with a, with a side volley slash bicycle kick from Henderson that bounces over Mark Dodd, got us into a final, which I think, I think MLS probably wasn't the happiest that day to see Colorado in a final. But you know what? Mooch, I think, did a lot of good things with that group and at times pissed everybody off to, to fight against what he was doing. But there was a good balance of a good balance for us to with leadership in the back with Peter, Marcus Hahnemann, myself. And, you know, we if you go back to like, I think Paul Bravo, uh, Sean Henderson, Matt Camasco, do I need to keep going? No one we, we were the misfits, misfits of MLS and we made it to a final. Yeah, we played DC United at RFK and it was yeah. sold out. I mean, that was really rough playing the DC United at home, right? <laughs> and we, we had them though for a moment. They had the national team. They had yeah. two Bolivian national team players, Richie Williams, national team player, Tony Santa, John Hart, Jeff Fagos, Eddie Pope, all national team players. Do I need to keep going? Boy, it was well, it please. was it was half the US national team and and two guest players from Bolivia. So it's like, you know what I mean? It, it was it was an uphill battle. And you playing them at their place even worse. Well, it's fun to sort of reconnect and go down memory road. I mean, you now as a broadcaster, you've seen Colorado win at least one MLS cup, maybe two. I can't remember exactly how many MLS cups has Colorado won. Okay. What but year was that Marcelo? And who, who were the great players on that team? 2010, you go back to Jeff Lorenowitz, you go back to Pablo Mastriani, you go to Connor, uh, Connor Casey, uh, Omar Cummings, so uh, Matt Pickens in goal. So it was it was a it was a Marvell win. So it was a, it was a it was a hardworking hardworking team. Plus so, we got lucky. We got moved over to the Eastern Conference. So we did we avoided the West and we played in the Eastern Conference for the uh, playoffs. So it was good. Hey, whatever it takes, you got to make the yeah. most of it. Kind of like the USA making the most of it. We'll end it with that kind of reconnecting on what the USA has just done. And your estimations, Marcelo, and you did narrow the pool. It's not as big as people are saying. I appreciate your open uh, transparency and candor on your assessment of how deep the pool is. It's not as deep as everybody's saying. I think that's fair play yeah. and well said by you. But, you know, moving forward, Marcelo, obviously anything but qualifying for the World Cup would be utter devastation. I, I got to believe from where you sit, you've seen enough to feel like we will make it to the World Cup and hopefully make some noise. You know, I, I said it a year ago that this team will qualify. And uh, when when you've got a young crop of players, it takes them a little time to get you to national soccer. Even though you've played at a high level, playing for your national team, your jersey weighs on you a little more because it's a country now. And, uh, and if you look at this team, everything was set up for them to qualify. They played Nations League, but they didn't play Gold Cup. 
They didn't play Gold Cup because they needed a break. So they got them a break. They got their vacation time in. Now they're back with their pro teams getting a proper, proper preseason leading into September 2nd, which is the first World Cup qualifier. So when you look at the process of what U.S. soccer done and Greg Berthalter's done, I think they're, they're set up for success. So will it be difficult going to Salvador? I've played in Salvador. I know what that's like. Is that a difficult task? Yeah, it's going to be a difficult task because you're not playing on these beautiful uh, EPL fields or La Liga fields. You're playing in El Salvador where the grass will be three, four inches thick. It may be raining. The fans will be outside your uh, hotel with their radios on, their boom boxes, and everything may honk in their horns trying to keep you awake. So uh, the experience is, is absolutely awesome, but it's, it's not an easy environment. Marcelo Balboa, the great number 17. I hate to be a sicker fan, but you're absolutely crushing it on TV. I love watching your games. And even, like I said, my my mom and dad have turned it on and absolutely love it. They remember you as well. There Marcelo you Balboa, thanks so much for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks for having me, Dean. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Marcelo Balboa was a great player in his day. Speaking of great players, Aubrey Bledsoe, who starred at Wake Forest, was named the NWSL Goalkeeper of the Year a couple years ago, is now getting it done for the Washington Spirit, a team that is climbing the standings in the NWSL. Aubrey Bledsoe, Goalkeeper for the Washington Spirit, up next when we return. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. This is Dean Linky again, and I wanted to take a moment to salute all of the great people that made this year's United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention such a great success. I had the great honor of serving as one of the hosts, and it was one of the best weeks in soccer I've ever had. With that, while the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention might be over, you can still get involved as we're just getting started. You can still register to receive access to all session recordings and the digital convention platform. Chat with your soccer coaching community and take in top level presentations from coaches around the globe, all at your own convenience. To register and receive access, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. That's right, you can still register for the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention and have access to all of the amazing presentations. I hope you can take advantage of the special offer. And again, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, a big show. As you know, I like to catch players that are also doing great things, not just coaches. And over the last couple of weeks, I've called the Washington Spirit and I've been blown away by their goalkeeper, Aubrey Bledsoe. I love the fact that she's from Ohio. I love the fact that she played for Tony Deleuze. As you all know, Austin Deleuze is my broadcast partner and Aubrey Bledsoe now from the Washington Spirit is kind enough to join me on this week's podcast. Welcome, Aubrey. Yeah, thanks, team. Happy to be here and chat with you today. Yeah, you know, look, I'm sorry I didn't get to call the Chicago game because I think you would have won had I called it since you were two for two, but you can't win them all. You want to just reflect on the last game against Chicago? <laughs> so you're to blame. I, I <laughs> yeah, it was just an uninspiring performance by all of us. We came out flat. Credit to Chicago. They pressed us 
pretty well and, and pinned us into one side and we just weren't able to break that and get anything going in the first half. And they converted on their their couple chances. And so we were down 2-0 at halftime and just it's too far gone at that point. But yeah, we just, we got to find our stride, got to link together 90 minute performances because um, we're a good team. We're just a little hot and cold at times. <laughs> Well, you're a great team and you're a great goalkeeper. And, you know, I was talking to Tony. I'm like, Tony, how is she not on the national team? And Tony's yeah. like, I have no idea why. I mean, she's definitely one of the best goalkeepers in the world, not just for the USA. When you hear somebody like Tony Deleuze say that, your former coach at Wake Forest, how does that make you feel? Yeah. Pretty grateful. He's a little biased, uh, but mm -hmm. um, no, I, I appreciate that. That's definitely my goal to be on the national team. And um, I've had a little taste of it over the year, but... I'm just trying to play my best every day, every game, win for the Washington spirit and be at a point where they have to call me in and, and give me uh, a chance at playing for the national team. Let's get to know you a little bit better. You grew up in Ohio, I think Cincinnati. Then tell us who you played for at Cincinnati and a little bit of the recruiting process and why you picked Wake Forest. Yeah, from Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, Ohio South has um, a good soccer scene down there, a lot of really good clubs. I grew up playing for the Cardinal Soccer Club, who merged. Now there's the club scene has changed so much. So there's this merger club, and now they're King's Hammer. But yeah, my family was really athletic. Uh, I have a twin sister, so we are super competitive and played a little bit of everything. So I played, played basketball and soccer through high school. And uh, I was just a little better at soccer and realized I could get into a good school. So um, when I got an offer to go to Wake Forest, it had been silly to turn that one down. This is such a good school of academics and athletics. So I went there. Yeah, I loved it. Loved playing for Coach Toulouse. He's been there a long time. He's a good dude and um, loved playing in the ACC. I think it's definitely the best women's soccer conference for, for college. Now, what about your twin sister? What is she doing now? She is married with a child, but um, ironically, she went to Brown University where she played goalkeeper there. I had a good career. Well, actually, I don't know if you've seen on YouTube. We played a prank on Tom Sermani, my Orlando Pride coach. I had broken my leg and she was in town. So I had her go out and act like she was me and she was running around and he about had a heart attack. So I joked that she could, you know, play pro and, and take over for me when we needed another keeper. <laughs> but uh, ultimately she retired and um, yeah, she's a stay-at-home mom and our teacher right now. I do remember that. Can you dive a little bit deeper into that? Really? Like who helped you, who helped you think of that uh, to do to, I know Tom Stramani as yeah. well. Was it just the you and your sister or was your, were your teammates in on it? Yeah, well, we loved like playing pranks. We changed spots at school one day for April Fools. And so we we're always looking to prank people. So I had her come in and try to and fool my teammates in the locker room. And she got a bunch of them there. So then everyone, I think, conspired together and were like, oh, let's get Tom. Let's get Tom. So everyone was in on the joke except for Tom. So yeah, if you watch the YouTube video, you'll see the team like cheering her on, like go Aubrey. <laughs> and Tom's like, what is she doing? Because I couldn't even walk. And you're seeing my twin sister like run and jump and jump. it's just funny. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What a great story. Okay. So then out of Wake Forest, like when, when did you know at Wake Forest that you could play pro? Was it junior year, senior year? Like when did you know that, Hey, this is where I'm going to right now put my attention toward. It was never a sure pathway for me, mainly because in my sophomore year, I believe that was when um, the WPS folded. 
So I wasn't certain if there would be a domestic leave when I graduated. So I had no plans to graduate early. I went overseas to play in Norway first because when the NWSL was created, I definitely had aspirations to play in it, but wasn't sure how long it'd be around since the other leagues only lasted three years. I didn't want to bank on that. And I also thought it'd be great to go play overseas first, enjoy traveling, a new cultural experience, and then come back and play in the league. So I think it was my junior, senior year. I was like, oh, it's, I like to travel. I like Europe. <laughs> so I ended up going to Norway. And my first club was called Grand Buda. And it was in the Arctic Circle, actually. Um, so far, northern Nor- Norway. It was freezing, but uh, it was a great experience. <laughs> here with Aubrey Bledsoe, the outstanding goalkeeper for the Washington Spirit. And Aubrey, talk about uh, your best memory so far as a soccer player at any level, youth, college, or pro. What's been your greatest memory so far in what has been uh, an outstanding career that's only going to get better? Uh, The first one that comes to mind would be in 2019, we had our first match at Audi Field in front of a sellout crowd, and we beat my old club, Orlando Pride two to one. And that one was just really special to me. It it wasn't a championship. It wasn't, you know, anything extraordinary, but seeing every seat filled the energy in the stadium, um, it was kind of the culmination of like what we've been working on with the spirit. Like my first year here, we were absolutely terrible. We won two games in 2018. So we had a a massive upheaval and, and turnaround and we're trying to, we're still working on it, recreate uh, this club and um, credit to our n- new ownership that's come in, new coaching staff. And, and so that for me was a really special moment just because I've been able to build something here uh, with the spirit. Well, let's talk about yeah. the future because you've been knocking at the door. As you said, Blatko called you in right when he took over. So I got to believe, and I say it on the air all the time. I'm like, how is she not one of the three with the U.S. national team? How important would that be for you to be one of the three for perhaps the next World Cup? That's Definitely my goal. Uh, I'm just trying to be, you know, the best. I know I still, the best I can be at least. Um, Like I know that I have so much more room to grow, which is really exciting for me. Um, And I know when I'm at my best, I am yeah, one of the best in the world. So I really do think it's up to me to, to string together some great performances and show that I can perform um, under that pressure and at that high level. Uh, so yeah, I, I just want to challenge myself and what a reward it would be to be able to play for for your country and at the um, top level of sports. So I'm really hoping and praying that I'll continue to get looked at and, and get that chance. And when it comes that I'll be ready for it. So I love your entire team, but I'm going to ask you to kind of give me your take from the spine of the team, because the way Paige Nielsen plays, she's relentless. The way Andy Sullivan plays. I mean, when you guys had 10 players against Gotham, she kind of took over all by herself. Trinity Rodman is a special athlete that is just a freak out there. Sanchez is amazing. I love Hatch as well. But, you know, right down the spine, including you of the Washington spirit, it's really solid. Yeah, I'm really excited about this year's team. It's the most depth we've had as long as I've been here. Yeah, I love playing, playing with Paige and Sam. They've been my center backs for uh, the past two years. Uh, they're kind of the iron woman. Richie calls them the rock and the wall. <laughs> but yeah, and then you got Andy, right? Everyone you mentioned. We've got a lot of game changers, just special players like Rodman Sanchez, like you're saying, who we can look extremely 
you know, innocent. We're just knocking the ball, keeping possession around the back, you know, taking our time. And then all of a sudden, Sam hits a, a left foot diagonal, Trinity's in, and you're not catching her, you know? There's always a little belief that we're going to score, like, regardless of what, you know, the score line is, what the opponent's doing. We can we can have those special moments, especially Sanchez. She's hit um, some great free kicks recently, uh, and her dribbling ability is dangerous. We're here with Ari Bledsoe. Just a couple more questions, and we'll let her get back to doing what she does with the Washington Spirit. You know, we mentioned uh, your time in Cincinnati, then with Tony Deleuze and a couple places, once overseas, and then back in the NWSL. I realize you're definitely going to have to tip your hat to Richie Burke, and I want to know what it's like to play under Richie Burke, but who are some coaches that have definitely made a big difference in your life so far, Aubrey? Yeah, for me, I honestly have such a close relationship with my goalkeeper coaches. Um, not that it doesn't matter who the, the head coach is, but we, Richie jokes, like we're off at holiday camp, he calls it, because <laughs> we're kind of doing our own thing and, and then just join up with the rest of the team for the end. My goalkeeper coach, Ian McCaldin, was just a great guy, left a big impression on me. Uh, he was with the spirit in 2019 and 20 before he left to take the job with Everton ladies. He was one of my favorites just because he came in, believed in me, said, you know, we're going to get you to that national team. And this is, as I said earlier, coming off a two, <laughs> two win season where we were just leaking goals. And I surely didn't feel like one of the best in the world, but he just had so much faith in me and helped me unlock things in myself that I didn't really know were there. So, um, yeah, he's been one of my favorites and, um, yeah, Rich, I enjoy playing for Richie. He's a very charismatic guy. He, uh, he's got a good sense of humor. And when you do well, he, he's really for you. You know, he'll tell anyone, he'll listen that I'm the best in the league and I should be in the national team. So it's, it's really nice to have your head coach advocating for you and believing in you like that. Yeah, just one follow-up on Richie, because as a broadcaster, you know, he'll call Rodman and Sanchez divas and yeah. talk about Ashley Hatchby and the nicest person in the world and talk about Bailey being a Rolls Royce, but you can't call her a Rolls Royce because she'll get upset because she doesn't want that attention. And all of these compliments roll off his tongue. That's what he's all about, right? He is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when things are going, it's it's good. It's, um, yeah, hopefully we can get some momentum going, but um, we do have all the pieces and it's just a matter of finding some consistency because we're just super young and some days you come to play and some days not so much. So as a, one of the leaders on the team, just trying to figure out how, you know, I can help the team bring more energy and more professionalism to each game. And yeah, just not be scared of, you know, some older, more experienced teams like Chicago, but to go out there and play our brand. I will end with my crystal ball question that I ask a lot of young players and, that is, you you know, hopefully you have another 10, 15 years where you can continue to play this game you love. You know, maybe you can go as long as Tom Brady, who knows. But when it's <laughs> over, what do you see yourself doing, Aubrey? Do you see yourself staying in the game or did you get a degree doing something else? What do you think you'll do when you're done playing soccer? I'm currently working on my MBA. So I would like to go to get into business in some way um, and stay in soccer. So I don't know if that'd be like a goalkeeping coach or GM. I'd also love to own an NWSL club, but I'm not sure where I'm going to make my millions first. <laughs> so we'll see about that. Maybe just a minority owner. Um, and then I would also love to own a bakery with my twin sister. Uh, it's one of our passions 
love to bake cookies, cakes, uh, really anything. So, so one day that we'd, we'd love to do that. I love that answer. I'm so glad that I kept that question in there, Aubrey. Yeah. So you are outstanding in goal. You are wonderful to watch. It's a pleasure to broadcast her to call. I wish you and the Washington Spirit all the best of luck the rest of the way. Thank you, Dean. And I hope you call our games so we can keep that streak alive. <laughs> I'll, I'll call your games any day, Aubrey. All the best. Take care, okay? <laughs> Thanks. Bye, Dean. Tony DeLue said Aubrey Bledsoe would be great. He was not kidding. want to thank J.N. Gown, Marcelo Balboa, and Aubrey Bledsoe. also want to thank Sean Chevrel, Jonas Worth, Bailey Conklin, Erica Dyer, Jeff Van Dusen, and the entire gang at United Soccer Coaches and our producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.